way, this is the spooky edition. I'm actually really excited. I'm nervous, <laughs> but for a different reason. Why? I, this is it, Hannah. We're tackling the godfather of graphic novels. Like, this is the big one. I know. I actually... I'm actually a little bit nervous as well, because I feel like I have a lot of unpopular opinions about this. Oh, man. Um, I, what else is new? I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, okay. In honor of, like, Halloween and spooky season. Sorry, that's the last time I'm going to do that. No, um, it isn't. Well, you know, no promises, but... <laughs> I don't have a problem with it. I wanted to I wanted to do a little spooky movie quiz. I know this has nothing to do with comics, but I don't now give I'm a scared. fuck. Yeah. Now I'm scared. <laughs> okay. All right, I've picked out a handful of, some would call them scary movies. I feel like they're more like Halloween-y movies. Some of them are scary movies, but yeah, this has nothing to do with the comics. I don't give a fuck. I'm hijacking this episode because it's Halloween, and I fucking want to do this. How (laughs) could you? Whatever, I don't care. Okay, all right, so I'm going to read like a sentence or like some key phrases or words that are associated with this film. And I've like, I'm sorry in advance. Some of them are super obvious and um, some of them are weird, but I pulled them from the internet and also some from my own brain. So apologies in advance. All right. Are you ready? I was born ready. Okay. I'm not ready. <laughs> All right. Worst housewarming party with the worst neighbors that leads to an even worse gender reveal party. One more time. Okay. The worst housewarming party with the worst neighbors that eventually leads to an even worse gender reveal Adam's party. family. No. The worst neighbors are the, the neighbors of the Adams family. Because the Adams family are great. No. They're just living their best life. Justin. I think you mean Adams family. I don't. Just think okay. about that. Gender reveal party? Pass. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. Rosemary's Baby. God. I've never seen it. <laughs> what are you talking about? So earlier... I literally picked these <laughs> based on the one criteria that I ha- was almost sure that you'd seen these. <laughs> no, I don't think you realize how few Halloween movies I've seen. Oh my God. <laughs> like earlier, like as you were talking about like, I chose the easy apologies for how easy and obvious these are. And I'm just like <laughs> shrinking into the like, like, oh no. I'm okay, really... look, okay. I, the other ones, I'm <laughs> no, sure. No, no, I say just lay them on. But you should also know it's like the fact that I haven't seen that many Halloween movies compounded by the fact that I only ever watch things that I've already <laughs> seen like Star Trek Next Generation, uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, NYPD Blue, oh God. 30 Rock, Parks and Rec. I could go on. Justin has this really bad habit of like doubling down and committing to television shows that are finished, but then he wants to like rewatch them from start to finish. So it's like the longer that the show ran, the worse my life is for that many weeks. <laughs> like, like, do you remember the Angel period? That was so terrible. I, I never thought that that would end. I specifically didn't mention that because I thought it might bring up too much past trauma for you. Angel had such a strong first and maybe second season. Said no one ever. No one is going to agree with you. I'm moving on. Listen, okay. I, I'm not afraid to be hated for my opinions. <laughs> I'm proud of who I am. I'm moving on. I, all right. You're going to get this one. Sorry. I'm going to stop prefacing it. <laughs> There's a lot of pressure. Okay. She said hope in her eyes. <laughs> All right, camping trip from hell, wish I had brought better reading material, worst breakup ever, never booking that cabin again. Evil Dead. Yes, thank you, okay. Are you kidding me? The Evil Dead trilogy was only my favorite trilogy. Well, see, that's why I was like, see? Okay, I curated this with you in mind. All right, okay, next. 
Virgins wanted, please inquire within. Keep your sisters close, but keep your magic cats even closer. Is that uh, Hocus Pocus? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, stay away from your TV, but also your well. Girl, brush your hair. Pleasant Bill. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> the, the ring. Yeah, okay, great. I've never yeah. seen it. <laughs> That's fine. All right. Okay. Uh, don't steal pumpkins from your neighbor who is definitely evil, especially if you yourself are also dead. Um, Halloween trip through the past. Oh, I know I've seen this movie because I can remember, like, I know the pumpkin thing, but I have no clue. I just have a vain, I have like a faint memory. I'm sure that there's a French word for this, like not deja vu, but it's like, <laughs> I have seen a movie involving pumpkins. <laughs> there's a French word specifically Oh, for is it the Halloween tree? Yes! Yay! Yeah. Good job. All right. Um, spooky 90s children. Um, bringing the dead back all over the place. Problematically hot child prom date. What? Just think about it. I have no idea. Father-daughter dynamics? Uh, we're not talking the Stephen King movie we just saw, Pet Cemetery. <laughs> no. <laughs> no? <laughs> but that, actually, that's actually a perfect description of yeah. that movie. <laughs> Except for the weirdly hot child prom date. No. No. Casper? I... Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. What was the date part of that? It's when he comes back to life. He looks like Jonathan Taylor Thomas. They go to prom together. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I as see, a '90s child, this was a very romantic. Right, scene. and I and I saw it a bunch. But to be honest with you, I was always more of a fan of the cartoon. Did you ever see the one where he's got the the dog and it? Oh dies my god, it and, dies, and then it becomes a little ghost, and then they're friends. Yeah. Yes. God, that is so sad. Yeah. Oh my god. Still kind of poignant. Yeah, but. Okay. Okay, last one. Last one. All right. Wait, have we gone through seven already? Yes. Oh. I know. See, it was fast. This was like just a nice, quick little... (laughs) Don't be laughing. You got two of them wrong, okay? Like, okay. Um, And I threw this one in because I know for sure you've seen it. We've seen it together. All right. Don't read kids' books that you find in your trash. Get therapy. Don't kill your dog. Oh, the Babadook. Yes. All right. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, movie was not scary. It was not great. Yeah. But I I was trying to get some low-hanging fruit that I knew <laughs> that you would resonate with. Okay. Now that we're moving on from that. <laughs> wow. The Watchmen. Or Watchmen? Is it The Watchmen? Watchmen. Whatever. All right. Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons, with colors by John Higgins. Mm, our old friend Alan Moore. And John Higgins. Really? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I was like, what? Have we really read? But he's a good colorist. He, yeah, I was like, fine. I don't think you appreciate how unconventional the coloring was for this book. Like, I don't. There weren't, I have no, I have no there frame were of reference. There not superhero <laughs> books like this. Mm-hmm. This book, I mean, it's so... I'm almost like, why are we even bothering? So much has been said about Watchmen. It's like, how can we even presume to climb that mountain? But then at the same time, it is such a joy or slog. <laughs> to read like yeah no i mean i really enjoyed this book and i kind of tried to put myself in the alan moore like headspace yeah i was like i'm gonna read all the, the information dark about nihilistic yeah. headspace of alan moore <laughs> oh he's not like you know what he is hmm. he's like he gets this rap as like sort of overly serious dark and brooding and i think he absolutely plays up that imagery yeah for further proof of this just look at any photograph of his beard you know like <laughs> Alan Moore is deeply, deeply humorous. And I think, like, he gets this rap as, like, dark, brooding, magician guy. And it's like, he's really funny. Magician? Where did you get that? Uh, he, uh, 
worships a snake god. Oh, right. You told me about that in the last... Oh, yeah. I felt myself uh, trying to compare this to The Killing Joke a lot, just trying to find, like, similarities, and um, I found none. Um, I found a ton. Really? Yeah. No, I just felt like it's like, you can... T- I don't... Which one was written first? Was it The Killing Joke or this book? This came out before. This came out in 86 and 87. Oh, Okay. And The Killing Joke came out in 1988. There's just so much more to play with here. I think Batman is a little bit more locked into continuity and DC is not going to give the rights. You know, they're not going to give you the license to do the stuff that Alan Moore does best. Because are these all original characters or are they based on old superheroes? So there was an old line of comics. There was a company called Charlton Comics. And at some point, Charlton went out of business and DC acquired these characters and so alan moore basically wrote a pitch there's it's a little more detail a little more complicated than this but essentially alan moore wrote a pitch involving these charlton characters Mm -hmm. i think the comedian is based on loosely based on the peacemaker and so it's going to be who killed the peacemaker oh Uh, and uh and so he wrote this whole pitch and then dc kind of realized that they had spent a bunch of money acquiring these characters and they didn't necessarily want them to end up dead or damaged because then they're no good to DC e, okay. in mainstream comics. For some reason, Wednesday Warriors and comic companies are so obsessed with continuity mm. that it's like you can't tell an interesting story because then that has to lead into this and this and this. And it's like... That's so weird because they're so like comfortable with killing their characters off and then bringing them back in alternative universes. So that seems strange to me. It's just a thing where it's the reasoning is a little faulty to me, but I think it kind of worked out for the better because at first Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons are like, well, this probably won't work then. If we can't use these established characters, this won't work. And then they realized, well, we'll, we'll base our characters on these characters. And as long as we make them recognizable enough, like we sort of people will respond to it. And I think they did as evidenced by the fact that this book is now as of 2017 is in its 24th printing. Um, Oh, wow. Well, and also like now it's been, there's a lot of revived, like interest in the, in this comic specifically just because of the HBO miniseries. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. I haven't and either, but I, know, yeah. but I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm curious about it, especially like the way that this book ends and then um, the show is supposed to take place 35 years in the future. I just, uh, so I'm trying not to sound like I'm just like someone who's obsessed with like how, what a genius Alan Moore is, but the man... It's too late for that. No, he's, already, he's insanely... <laughs> <already> too deep. <laughs> he's insanely bright mm-hmm. and well-read and he's meticulous. Like his notes, like an example of his like how detailed he is is like there's a one panel character Mm -hmm. this character shows up for one panel and says what floor do you want essentially to two characters in an elevator yeah and that character in the script is written with an entire backstory he has like nightly issues with gas like he's like he's kind of so i mean i wouldn't say that that was a problem that i had with this book but that specifically like reading watchmen reminded me a lot of what it feels like to watch the shining where like you're just like hyper focused because there's so much symbolism and just like tiny little Easter eggs that are leading into like what is the bigger picture essentially. So I found myself like in every panel, like combing over like all the background details, just being like, where are the signs? Where are the signs? You know what I mean? And it's just like, it almost took away my enjoyment a little bit of it. Um, Fair point. I'll dispute that in one second. I just wanted to say in regards to the TV show. Yeah. I think that when you have, you're going to have other writers who are not as meticulous and not as careful yeah. as Alan Moore. They just won't have that attention to detail that he has. To your point, 
I think that like, obviously you and I have a slightly different mentality when it comes to just organizational skills. <laughs> <laughs> like I, like what you, do you mean by that, Justin? I mean <laughs> that to your credit, you're very, you're very organized and competent and, yes, tell me more about and efficient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would say that I am a little more chaotic and messy. And so like, especially like when I'm reading, like I tend to like blast through things and I read very quickly. And so like Hannah read the Watchmen trade paperback and I picked up the annotated Watchmen thinking that I would be able to finish it before this podcast. <laughs> and that book is ridiculous. It's so cool to read because there's so much that I missed on my first two readings. Things like, oh yeah, this podcast will have spoilers. So if you haven't read Watchmen, stop it here. Go, go out, yourself. pick it up. Yeah, or do that. I don't know. What did you say? Nothing. What? I, like, like, go out, read it, because you're really doing yourself a disservice if you haven't read it, and then you're going to listen to us try to summarize it. I guess. I mean, well, so. the thing is, it's like, what I really want to talk about is really just more of, like, each individual character. Like, I think that you could probably summarize this book, like, kind of gloss over more of, like, the intense details. Sure, and but we, I don't think we should. And I think in discussing characters and, like, cool stuff that happens, I think we're going to mention a lot of spoilers that will take away from people's fair enough yeah you're pouring over these details and like looking for hidden clues but what i like about that is they've created this whole world that's so rich and there's so much background detail that like you almost lose the thread like you lose the point the point is not the murder mystery the point is just a window into this world that's been like grossly deformed by the appearance of quote-unquote masked vigilantes and superheroes which actually was what made it so interesting to read right after marvels because marvels is kind of like that as well where it's like obviously you're sort of getting um a look at superheroes or what a world with superheroes in it would be like from a bystander's perspective so it's much more grounded it's much more realistic and like so it was really interesting then to read Watchmen and kind of see Alan Moore's take on like what that would look like and also like his commentary sort of on like relying on like figureheads I guess and like icons like I don't know I thought that that was really interesting especially because I think Alan Moore has this we've talked about this before with like Viva Vendetta um and then also you know Killing Joke and stuff like this this kind of he has this vibe that's very like you know, for the people, kind of like anarchy is king, that kind of idea. I'm glad you brought up Marvels because I do think that these this is almost like these books are like brother and sister or yin and yang. Or they, they work really well together. I think this book was such a big deal when it came out and people learned the wrong lesson from it. Like this, this is book? Yeah, I think this is a very strong book. It's a very dark book. But I think it gets a, ra- a bad rap as overly serious where people, there's so much humor in this book. I actually think that Watchmen is very similar to Arrested Development in that there's like, as you go through it, you find a new funny thing every time you, okay, the scene where Dan, okay. <laughs> I feel like that's a stretch. But the scene sure. where Night Owl is finally going to have sex with Lori, like they're, they're, they're hooking up. In and, what is the worst sex scene, most awkward, terrible. But it's funny because on the on the screen, like they were watching TV b- before they start doing it. <laughs> and um, and Ozymandias, it's a performance, a gymnastic performance. Yeah. And this narrator's like, oh my gosh, look at his grace and power. Right. And it's like Dan is like, oh, my elbow's on your chest. I'm sorry. It's, and, it was so uncomfortable And they're like, they're awkwardly shifting on this couch as this narrator is just going on about like, 
this is a man in his 40s. And he and you're just like, <laughs> and, and the yeah. punchline is that Dan is impotent and right. this is a man in his 40s. Like, Sad boy Dan, God. It's, I think that there's so much humor in this that's like visual humor and there's subtle written humor. When you were reading that sex scene, did you just hear that song, Hallelujah, playing in the background? Mm. Again, <laughs> this is why I think that the Watchmen, or the Watchmen TV show will not be as good as the book. Because, like, if you look at the movie as another example of an adaptation, yeah, it's a director who sla- was, like, he was slavishly devoted to this, mm-hmm. this source material, but he missed the point completely. And I mean, he I'm also... not arguing with you. I, that was a terrible movie. And, like, I think that the book is so much better, even though I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the book in general. You're not a huge fan of this book. I mean, it was, like, fine. Okay, my rating for this is probably, like, a C plus. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Which I think is, like, man sitting up attentively. Is it one of those things where you didn't like it at all, you didn't think it was good, you didn't like it? Or is it one of those things where... I've had this before where I can respect something yeah but i also didn't like it yeah that's exactly what it is where it's like i'm reading it and i'm just like i'm enjoying all the symbolism and I'm, i really like how it was laid out where it's like so watchmen is part um sort of comic and then part like it has these inserts from books that were written by one of the characters like articles like different pieces of that world that are sort of fit in that actually make it really interesting to read and give it like a lot of like depth and backstory and i really liked that i just think that i i think it just wasn't for me but yes i can 100 percent respect that it is a it is a good comic and like i would probably recommend it to certain people but i wouldn't recommend it to everyone so i have actually read this before this is my second reading of it but it was crazy i actually forgot the end like i remember getting to the end and just being like what the fuck like um i read this in college, but it was also... Wasn't that only like a year ago? Fucking... No, I'm just... Yes, I'm still so young oh, and <laughs> I'm just new into the world, embarking on my life. I think my uncle Eric and Aunt Shirley bought it for me when I was probably anywhere from 16 to 18. And then um, I read it. I was blown away by it. Uh, there's a huge twist at the end, which we will reveal now. Go ahead, Hannah. Uh, um, Osmandius is the bad guy. Yeah. What? And... So I read it the first time, and I was blown away. Never saw that coming. Also, just for clarification, Osmandius is like one of the core superheroes that's part of this whole team. Yeah. And then I reread it a few years later, right before the movie came out, and I did not remember that he was the bad guy. I got so lost in the details and this world and the yeah. character interactions that I forgot to. And it, I like, what murder mystery do you know? Like, once you've read it through, mm-hmm. like, do you, what... Yeah, that you forget who the bad guy is. I can't think of a single murder mystery, or mystery, rather. I can't think of a single mystery that surprises you once you've already read it. Which what does is, that say about this, though? Does that say that it's just, like, so, like, meh, whatever? Or does that say that it's, like, so, like, uh, well built out that you just are focused on other things? I would say it would... It tells you that it's so well so well built out because all these clues are there peppered throughout yeah. this book and you never once see it coming and that was my main problem with the movie mm-hmm. is that you it's like there's a he's you so wanted that kaiser soze moment right but he's so devoted to the source material and then he just gives it all away where it's like there's this one moment where like ozymandias like in the first like half hour of that movie or like very early on he like looks at the camera and it's like, oh, that's the bad guy. And it's mm-hmm. like, the book surprised me twice. It surprised you twice. Yeah. And the movie is just like, Ugh. So I think, I mean, 
Again, like we mentioned before, we're not going to like get into all of the beats of this book, but just to summarize it really quick, basically the Watchmen starts out um, with the murder of one of the hooded vigilantes, the comedian. This murder kind of kicks off all of these sort of masked superheroes from this very specific period of time to kind of come back out out of retirement, basically. The most important is actually Rorschach, who, like, he starts, like, looking into, like, who killed the comedian. Well, he never went into retirement. Right, I guess that's true, yeah. He's just a crazy motherfucker. He's a <laughs> nutbag, just a... Yeah. So the main characters here would be Ozymandias, who's Adrian Vitt. Light. Vitt. Yep, that Light. one. That's the one. Uh, Dr. Manhattan. Um, it's just, like, a lot of blue dick. It's a big, naked man. Um, and, uh, he's also... Never seen a blue dick before? Yeah, weird. He's also basically a, uh, he's essentially a bomb. And he's the only real superhero right. in this. Like, they kind of make that distinction, too, where it's like, all yeah. these other people are, like, they're vigilantes and masked heroes, but he is the only superhero. He's essentially a god. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the Night Owl, Dan... Dreidenberg. Right. Sad boy Dan. I like Dan. He's fine. I like Dan a lot. a little bit sad. And then you have Lori, who is like the new Silk Spectre. She took over from her mom, Sally Jupiter. And then I think that's it, right? Yeah, then there are a bunch of recurring side characters, like a newspaper man with an inflated sense of self-importance. Right. Uh, I think he's a stand-in for all of us. (laughs) I mean, that's true. There's a a well-meaning psychiatrist. Yeah, but all of these people are sort of secondary characters. And they just add to, I think they add to the richness of the environment and the story. You kind of see what the effect, like how a superhero, or how superheroes distort everyday life. Right. But I would say that those four... um, Are the focus. Are sort of the focus. And then um, sort of the first night owl, Hollis Mason... And then Sally Jupiter and the comedian are sort of the old guard. So there's the Minutemen, which were sort of like the very first, like, sort of heroes, masked heroes from like the 1940s. And they kind of, I think, I felt like they really represented like sort of like classic superhero. The early early days of comics. Right, where they're like fighting the bad guys. You know, it was kind of this like um, wartime superhero. And then you have sort of the second generation, which is, what are they called? The Crime Busters? No, that never takes off. Okay. They, but they, they come together, and it, it fails spectacularly. Right, and those are sort of our main dudes. That's um, Night Owl, Rorschach, Dr. Manhattan, and Lori. They kind of are all brought back together because of the comedian's death. And Rorschach is obsessed with the idea of, like, a mask killer. Like, somebody's hunting down all the old masks. Which is so funny to me, because he's like this dog with a bone. You know, he's going to track down every lead, but he's a paranoid right-wing conspiracy guy and it's like he's not like he's sort of onto something but not really because you also get these like narrations like from his diary it's some like harriet the spy bullshit where he's just like skulking around a corner like writing down notes digging up perps like well i like it because i was laughing the moment i like the opening line of this book is so ridiculous it's like it's so clearly like a loving parody or homage to like that hard-boiled detective fiction which once you told me that i feel like i was way more on board with rorschach's diary entries because before that i was like what is this fucking joke this is dog carcass in alley this morning (laughs) tire tread on burst stomach this city is afraid of me i have seen its true face yeah it's just like oh god yeah just (laughs) fucking and it's like it's not serious alan moore is not serious he's making fun like in a loving way, he's poking and prodding. He's that grandfather kind of like, nah, 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 nah. and 
this. So <laughs> essentially we have our main characters kind of tracking down a false murder mystery and it turns out right. that it's so much larger than that. Yeah. And then it's like, I mean, it really kicks off when, so Dr. Manhattan is, he's basically like the military, the U.S. military's greatest weapon. He's, he is the only thing right now kind of preventing the world from disintegrating into nuclear war. Well, yeah, he is. He's like, he's our deterrent. It's almost as if like the Soviets or anybody else had never gotten the nuclear bomb. Right. Where it's like, he, he is created in an accident and then... He's, the U.S. military has him. They own him, yeah. And, I mean, I think that it's this weird, tenuous, like, he's so distracted and, like, he doesn't really care about earthly politics. Right. But it's like, he works for the government. He just wants to keep playing in his lab and doing what he does. Right. Playing in his lab and fucking war. But his abilities make it so that no one else would dare challenge the U.S.'s supremacy. So, in a way, it's like... He is keeping the world from devolving into nuclear war, but he's also prolonging this Cold War tension that, like, the U.S. just keeps doing shit and running roughshod over the rest of the world. Right. Oh, also, isn't Nixon president? Yeah, for his, like, fourth term or something. Right, yeah. yeah it's like, so, it, so this takes place, like, obviously in an alternate reality, but um, at the U.S. This point, won the, we won the Vietnamese War. Right. Thanks to Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, it's like, so... Two things basically happen um, that kind of kick off everything else in this book. And one is that Lori, who is the daughter of, like, the Silk Spectre, who was, like, this kind of bombshell superheroine from the Minutemen, she and Dr. Manhattan have been dating for, wait for it, 20 fucking years. They started dating when she was 16 and he was 30. And they never fucking addressed that. I was like... Everyone's okay with this? They We're do, all cool with that? They do address that. His, like... Because Dr. Manhattan sort of starts stepping out on his... On his, on his like, main squeeze. Yeah. And, uh... But, but no one... Everyone seems to be troubled by the fact that, like, mostly that he, like, left Janie to be with Lori, but not that Lori is a 16-year-old child. Throughout history, how many deities have taken child brides? I'm gonna just stop you right there. So... That's... I'm not... <laughs> I was... Being facetious, I am in no way condoning... <laughs> I, I want to be very clear we there. We are in no way condoning the relationship of blue alien doctors with 16-year-old children. I'm going to take it a step further, and you better not edit this out. <laughs> um, I am in no way condoning child brides, <laughs> any sort of like inappropriate relationship between minors and adults. Comic I was making against child brides. <laughs> I was making a joke. <laughs> it was... Do not edit that out. Anyway, so by this time, she's like 35. They've been together for about like 20 years or so. And um, she's just fucking over it because he's like, he's just a big blue emotionless android. Like they're having sex while his, uh, he makes a copy of himself who's like working in his little More than one copy. So they're having a threesome unbeknownst to her. Right. And so she's like, okay, I'm fucking done. So she packs up and she leaves. That same day, um, he's on a television show. It's sort of like a late night kind of interview format. And somebody in the audience like gets up. It's somebody from the fucking Nova Express. Pot smoking commie bastards, according to the new Frontiersman. Exactly. So they get he gets up and he's just like, hey, so did you know that all of your like your closest friends and the people who were um, spending the most time with you after your transformation, like they all have cancer. So his ex, Janie, um, his best friend, I don't remember his name. Wally. But, yeah, but they basically all have cancer. And it's sort of implied that being around Dr. Manhattan like gave them cancer. So he kind of freaks out and he goes to Mars. Yeah. He disappears off the earth. This kicks off like worldwide panic. 
Basically, it gives the Soviets enough of an opportunity to, like, invade Afghanistan. The U.S. is freaking out. Everyone's like, okay, are we dropping the bombs now? It basically turns into this kind of powder keg situation where everyone has their hands on the big red button. I found this especially terrifying because, by coincidence, we started really reading this book on the days that it takes place like this oh, book yeah. this book takes place like on October 22nd 1986 through like October 27th or something it's like it a, is a it, very eerie it's like a mirror it's, <laughs> like, it's like and it's hard not to like look at the news in our little gloomy black boxes called iPhones and be like the world is falling apart tensions are heightened everywhere you know like i actually find it kind of comforting and i know that sounds weird so let me explain i find it comforting because it's like we've always been afraid humans are always afraid so it's like i just find it comforting that in the 80s we were still afraid of this you know what i mean and now it's like nothing has changed the more things change the more things stay the same i mean it's just kind of like i think humans are just we're always going to be afraid and i think that this threat is probably never going to go away. I mean, until the nuclear holocaust. Yeah, no, but like, <laughs> I think that I just found it kind of funny in a morbid way Yeah. where we're reading this on the days that it's taking place, you know, however many years later. Yeah. The last few days, my heads have just been filled with like doom and gloom and we're in the midst of a new red scare with the Russians. Oh, and like, totally. And yeah. I just like, and I'm reading this book and I actually, I don't find it, like, terrifying, but I, and I actually appreciate the humor that Alan Moore brings to this thing in a mm-hmm. sort of dark, morbid way. Well, that's why I'm kind of curious about the HBO series, because it's, like, what will they have to say in today's current climate, like, about, like, using this source material? Because it's pretty politically charged, like, for and I think this an show, alternate history. Even. I think this show will be, too. Yeah. But in a way, that's why, going back to what we were talking about with Marvels earlier, I feel like... That's why I like Marvels is a bit rather than give us a show that's like, let's take the darkness of Watchmen further. (laughs) It's like, give us something like Marvels, something slightly more aspirational, but that takes the lessons like it's like have something really well written. Think about real world consequences that you can weave in and out of this thing. Yeah. How would real people be affected by this? And like, but give us a little bit of optimism. Like, I'm not frankly not interested in the the new series i'm gonna watch it but i already (laughs) have my doubts because i'm like you're just gonna take the grim and grittiness to the point of despair that's in this book and you're gonna not have any of the humor or any of the sort of cleverness that i'm curious about it i i'm definitely gonna watch it i'm going in with low expectations but an open mind anyway but yeah so dr manhattan's like fucking peace he's out on mars we sort of learn about his origin story which is basically just the result of a um, laboratory accident. Um, and then, meanwhile, back on Earth, Rorschach is actually captured by the police and he's put in jail. And we find out who his alter ego is, his yeah. his identity, which actually was kind of nuts because, so, throughout this comic, through the first part of it, there's this dude walking around with a sign that says, the end of the world is here. Uh, the end is nigh. The end is nigh. And he's fucking Rorschach. Yeah. And yeah. he's, I mean, he's in this thing from like the third panel of the comic. But like, he's in the background, like always. But like, there's so many clues that he's Rorschach. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of this book takes place on the same city block. And he's wandering there. Rorschach, he gets his information from people like by like information drops at a certain garbage can. And you see him in the background, like when you're focused on the newspaper man, 
he's in the background, this end is nigh man rooting through the trash. So there's a million clues mm-hmm. that he's Rorschach, that he's like, they do it visually, they do it in the writing, all of this stuff. But again, he's another example of the humor that Alan Moore brings to this, where he shows up, he's got his end is nigh sign. Yeah. And the newspaper man sells him his copy of the extremely right wing publication, The New Frontiersman. Mm-hmm. And he's like, here's today's copy. Like, how do you feel? Is the is the world going to end? And Rorschach's like, maybe tomorrow. And then he walks away and he's like, but you'll still save me my copy of the new yeah. frontiers. Like, <laughs> it's this thing where it's like, he's... Yeah, it is kind of funny. But that's kind of what I was talking about with like, how it's similar to The Shining where you're just like sitting there and you're just like, the symbolism, like I must find it all. And it's just like, you just spend so much time kind of like sifting through like what everybody says. And like, I bet I guess that's the joy of reading yeah, a book. And just do what I do. <laughs> like, <laughs> periodic, periodically reread it. You know, like yeah. I, I've read this book maybe, I would say before this, Two to three times. I'm actually kind of glad because I, I got, so I got the annotated Watchmen. So I really feel like I like, I'm, I'm getting this kind of cool glimpse into their heads as you I'm like. fully immersed yourself. Not like, yeah, I just, I think it's a, an interesting, like looking at like, like some of the examples of the script, looking mm-hmm. at some of the sketches and preliminary drawings. Yeah. <laughs> like Rorschach. Everybody loves Rorschach. He looks so cool. Uh, which you know, he's got yeah. he's got his trench coat and his fucking pinstripe suit and his hat. But one of his designs was like the trench coat, but then just a full body Rorschach thing. And so it's Yikes. like there's and it just looks so dumb, but it's like kind of funny, you know. Can we talk about Rorschach for a minute? Look, I just feel like I have a real I don't know. Rorschach is like super problematic. I feel like he's a really interesting character. He's just, like, he's morally absolute. Everything is black and white, and I get, yeah, Rorschach, uh uh-huh, right, okay. Like, you know, oh, black and white, the dots, what do you see? Yes, whatever. But I think that it's such an uncomfortable character. People love that character, and I think that that's slightly problematic. Uh, I would say people love to dress up as him maybe once a year. Oh, my God. For, like, Comic-Con after the movie comes out. I I remember after that movie came out, there was, like, a good three-year period where it was, like, Fucking Rorschach was everywhere. But I don't think that anybody actually admires his worldview because they do a really good job of showing that he is unhinged, unhappy, and, like, everyone talks about how bad he smells. they, but talk they also about... make him, like, a pretty empathetic character. I... Just I'm... because, yeah, they, they set up his whole backstory. Like, his mom, like, abused him. She kind of, like, left him. He had to grow up in this, like, orphanage. Pe- these kids would, like, bully him. It's like... They make him very sympathetic, but then he's also a very toxic and, like, kind of fucked up character. So, like, what is that saying? I also feel like Rorschach is, like, almost a perfect symbol of what Alan Moore is, like, kind of trying to say in this, where it's, like, he is uncompromising. He will not accept anything that goes against what he believes is morally correct, which is, like, I think a huge problem because it's, like, that's his perception of what is morally correct. I think without this gray area, he becomes like a really destructive character. I think that he is, um, I think that he's such a wonderful character. Not that anyone should emulate him or want to be him. Yeah, and again, it's like, I don't want to come off as just being like, all characters have to be like morally good and we need to have only good characters. Like, I think that there should be like these kind of morally ambiguous characters. I think my problem with Rorschach is just that he's painted almost like too sympathetically i disagree i think they never let you they never let you forget that he's mentally unbalanced and that he was even mentally ill as a child like he was not but i think you could even argue that he's the protagonist of this book 
Oh, no. He's, like, the main narrator. Like, so much of this is told from his perspective. You know, going back through this, like, I realize, like, how much other characters have, like, near... Like, each character kind of gets their own chapter. And, like, he is woven in and out of this, and he's always present or sort of in the background. What I like about him is that he is... So he's based on two characters, an amalgamation of two characters created by Steve Ditko. And Steve Ditko was the co-creator of Spider-Man, and he's famously, like, antisocial, curmudgeonly. Mm-hmm. And these were basically filters for his uncompromising worldview. And it works fine in fiction, but it doesn't really work in the real world. And I think that's what they show kinda here like in Watchmen. What's that? Kind of like communism. Better in theory, not so much in practice. Yeah, it gets messy in practice. Yeah. And I think that Rorschach is kind of interesting because, like, his he's sort of like... Alan Moore, in his notes, says, like, that he's based on Steve Ditko's philosophies. Like, personally, I've always found Steve Ditko's philosophies troubling and potentially dangerous. Yeah. But he's like, but I don't want to present a caricature of these philosophies. I want to portray someone who is actually, who believes these things. And, you know, he's influenced by what he reads. And he reads The New Frontiersman, which I think you could easily make parallels between that and say something like Infowars. Yeah. Where it's like crazy, hyperbolic, overblown. They might have a point or two about certain things. Mm-hmm. But they mostly, it's like, you got to kind of filter through, like, it definitely, the New Frontiersman has some, like, very racist or undertones, if not overtones. I was going to say, like, they, but it's, yeah. I don't think anywhere. There's not a lot of subtlety in their racism. But it's pretty I don't think, overt. I don't think anywhere in the book do you see Rorschach judge someone based on the color of their skin. So I think it's one of those things where it's like, he probably identifies with some of their views about patriotism or, like, you know, like the way we should treat criminals, but maybe not all of their views mm. because he doesn't actually ever say anything racist or like, or do anything overtly racist. His, his main like chip on his shoulder is about like injustice and moral lapses. Right. Yeah. So you've got a character in the flashbacks, like Captain Metropolis, who's like a paunchy middle-aged man who's past his heyday. And he's trying to sort of get the new Minutemen started. He's going to everyone's going to get together in the crime busters and the problems that they're going to tackle are drugs promiscuity black unrest yikes and it's just like that's a character who is like he looks like captain america he's blonde he's an ex-colonel in the military and it's like i think that he's more problematic than someone like rorschach who is like portrayed as mentally unhinged and unwell and like right and sympathetic with like this kind of racist ideology this sort of white supremacist ideology but the beauty of of this book is that it's like he's presented as someone who believes in black and white Mm -hmm. but the reality is he is morally gray is he oh absolutely that's a pretty bold statement i because that's no his whole character is that he is 100 percent black and white right but you know how someone can say something and believe something but it's not necessarily true about them wait how yeah give me an example because i feel like okay. he, he pretty is straightforward where it's like he is there is no no diverting from what he okay. believes is morally correct. he believes good and bad yeah he takes out rapists and child molesters and murderers yes good yes he calls the near rape of sally jupiter a moral lapse yeah that's not good no that's black so he already is mixing good and bad white and black but this is He's what I, this is what I'm saying. It's like this is why I find him so problematic is because he is using the like what he thinks of as white and black as like the definitive moral code. So for him, Rorschach saying that um, the almost rape of Sally Jupiter it was like a moral lapse on the part of the comedian. It's like 
for him, that I feel like is actually pretty in line with who he is as a character and like what he thinks is black and white. So for him, he's willing to forgive the comedian, basically. So my point is not with, I'm not making a judgment on Rorschach. I'm not saying he's a good character or a bad. I'm saying that he's gray without even realizing it. And that's why he's a great character. He's so clearly based on Mr. A, who believes that black and white, any compromise makes you gray and therefore black or evil. Right. But it's like, so he doesn't, re he espouses these beliefs and he believes these things, not realizing that he is morally gray and he makes compromises in his life. He's just not, he doesn't look critically at himself. So that's why I think Rorschach is not a character to be admired, but he is a good character because he's so human and flawed and interesting. Yeah, I actually feel like that's a really good way to talk about a lot of these kind of problematic characters where it's like they are not like they're interesting as just characters in a story. Right. So at this point, Rorschach, we kind of learn like his backstory. He's taken to jail for the death of these other, like, rapists and child murderers that the police have actually been, like, trying to track him down for for the last few years. Meanwhile, during this whole thing, Lori, who's left Dr. Manhattan, she basically is holed up with Dan, the dorkiest fucking night owl in the world. He's sort of just hanging out in his, like, loner house, um, watching the news and, like, looking at pictures of birds. Um, and, like, I like Dan. He, he's fine. He just, like, he's just so such sad. A, he's such a, like... But at the same time, it's like, he does what he loves. He, like... I, yeah, I mean, that's fair, but it's just, like, so Lori comes over, and she basically just kind of, like, he just falls all over his face, just trying to, like, impress her, basically. And, like, he's like, oh, can I get you some coffee? Do you want one sugar, too? And she's like, Dan, get a grip. Like, get a hold of yourself. God. I, I love that line where she's like, you know, I admire you. Like, you just live by yourself and do what you want. Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, I don't live by myself by choice. <laughs> like, you're like, yeah, I like, love having company. <laughs> like, it's like, if you wanted to stay, I don't know. Uh. Also, like, Lori, like, she is, she's an interesting character as well, just because, like, she is the daughter of the Silk Spectre and also, spoiler alert, the comedian who we find out after um so the minutemen back when they were a group um the comedian attempted to rape sally jupiter and then um later on they actually got back together in what is a consensual relationship that's pretty fucked Fair up enough, yeah. that's like this why... is this is the one thing that always kind of confused me about this book like yeah i never quite understood the timeline of it and maybe you can correct me if i'm wrong like he almost rapes her and then later she's like oh i'm kind of oh, interested know. she's so, like that's fine that, i just so like i was always confused by this idea that she would forgive him enough to later hook up with him after he almost raped her it doesn't quite make sense to me it doesn't but it's like so Lori's basically she's the daughter of the comedian and sally jupiter and she joins the crime busters which is the second generation of these sort of like um, superhero masked crusaders. And while she's been dating Dr. Manhattan for the last 20 years, like, her and Dan, who was the new Night Owl, he, like, they've always been friends, and so she kind of goes to him for, like, comfort, and as a result, they kind of get closer, and then they end up hooking up. Mm -hmm. In what is, to date, the worst movie sex scene I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. It's bad. Just, like, the sultry sounds of Hallelujah, like, floating in the background as they fuck on his owl ship. I'm trying it's to so think... bad. I'm trying to think of a worse one just to, like, counterpoint it, but... I Yeah, I challenge, don't... because that does not exist. Possibly Showgirl. No, even that's funny. Like, the, the Hallelujah one is just, like... It's just bad. It's just really bad. And some deep cringe. Yeah. So while they're kind of, like, 
hooking up and having their love moment. They're like, we should bust Rorschach out of jail. Well, because Dan, for some reason, starts giving credence to this mask killer theory. Yeah. like someone's taken him out, and so he's like, we gotta, we well, gotta find out what... Well, I think it's because with Dr. Manhattan, like, disappearing to Mars, and then Rorschach being framed, essentially, and captured and imprisoned, I think Dan's kind of like, yeah, something might be up. Rorschach yeah. might have a point to whatever he was kind of like... I do like that Sally Jupiter is the voice of reason, kind of like, like, no, he's crazy and unhinged, remember? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my god, can we also talk about... Okay, so Sally Jupiter is a character that's still around. She's 65, and she's in a fucking nursing home. When were people dying in the 80s? At like 70? Like, what the fuck? But again, that that makes... That makes sense. Like, it does just, it? Alan, because remember when? So when Lori visits Sally Jupiter, yeah, in the in the rest home, yeah, her mom's like, oh, you know, so nice of you to visit me here in the land of the dead, and she's like, mom, being lazy isn't a terminal illness. So it's yeah. like her mom is just like living this weird like pampered lifestyle in a rest home, but she doesn't necessarily need to be there but i also but i i don't think that the joke is that she's not old i think the joke is that she is old but she's just like not infirm enough to be in this rest home but she still is and they make her look like an elderly woman the woman is 65 like what the fuck like i don't know it's just like that to me was so weird. Anyway, that's tangent. But like, so Lori and Dan go and they bust out Rorschach, who has basically already saved himself. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like, he's kind of just strolling down the corridors of the prison in the middle of like this prison riot that he's essentially caused. And um, they're just like, hey, we're here. And he's like, cool, I'll be there in a sec. And he goes and he kills one last dude that he's sort of had this kind of like prison drama with. And then they board the owl ship and they're out of there. Archimedes. the Archie. Yeah, yeah, I like I like that ship. It's so cute. Uh, it is cute. It is nice. Archie the the owl ship. Yeah. Anyway, so once they're on the owl ship, then they are they kind of come to an agreement. They're like, okay, we are definitely being hunted down. So there's a conspiracy going on here. We should get everybody together. So they go to find um, Osmandius. Adrian Vite. Yeah, Ozymandias. I just feel like I just keep pronouncing the name wrong, but that's just standard. You know, whatever. Anyway, so they go to his office and they kind of break into his computer and essentially they find out that he's been behind this conspiracy the entire fucking time. He's the bad guy. And they're like, but why? So they're like, okay, we need to just go find him. So they head over to Antarctica where he's holed up with his giant, like, mutant lynx. So basically they get there and they're like, we know your fucking plan. Like, we're here to stop you. And he's like, haha, too late because I already, like, deployed my plan 30 minutes ago. Yeah, that part is so great to me. I know. Can I, mean, I like, can I rewind it for a second? Yeah, yeah. Because I think Rorschach charges him to mm-hmm. take him out. And he sees Rorschach's reflection in a bowl, like yeah. in a metallic bowl. And he just turns around... Beats his ass. Dan, yeah. what is Dan Dryberg going to do? This paunchy ass, like, night owl. He's not going to do shit. Yeah. And they're, like, talking about, like, we're going to stop you. And he's like, stop me? I did this 35 minutes ago. What am I? Yeah, it's like, comic book villain? Like, like, yeah, it's like, you guys are fucking late to this doomsday party. So he basically unleashes, like, a giant squid alien. Yeah. That sends out this, like, blast that essentially just, like, kills millions of people in New York. Well, yeah... It's what it is, is throughout this book, we see little, we see snippets of the world around, you know, we read some of Hollis Mason's autobiography about being a superhero. Yeah. We see newspaper clippings from the new frontiersmen. We see um, all this stuff. And throughout this thing, it's like 
there's been this underlying thread that like creative people are disappearing and also so a couple of scientists and like so what is ozymandias essentially did is he gathered all these great scientific minds yeah all these great creative minds and he's essentially creating a threat that will unite the world to stop world war three so this giant squid monster he makes that lands in the middle of new york city and kills everyone with its quote-unquote psychic scream yeah that's his invention so that the the russians and the americans will um sort of like be like oh shit there's something out there that we've got to pool our resources together instead of battling for control of this planet he's pulling a grindelwald he's doing a for the greater good kind of situation yeah yeah and, and okay but you can see the beginnings of his plan in that fateful meeting of the crime busters because when he when they go there the comedian is drunk and he's like, this is stupid. You bunch of costume pansies punching people think you're making a difference. Fuck you. And he yeah. bounces. And then um, Dan Dryberg, ever the sort of wimpy guy, is like, well, I think it might be a good idea to pool our resources. Rorschach and I have pooled our... And then Let Rorsch- me show you my pictures of birds. <laughs> like, <laughs> then, get out of here, Dan. And like, Rorschach says like, no, this group is too big, too unwieldy. This yeah. will never work. And he bounces. And every, the meeting sort of disintegrates. And then... You see Ozymandias sort of stroking his chin and he's like, well, with the proper organization and like, you know, like with Ooh. we could like this could work, like we could make a difference. Yeah. And then the meeting disbands and then that's the beginning of his like, yeah, that's I don't some sinister shit. I didn't pick up on that. Like this guy, like Alan Moore, <laughs> like there's so many, like so many clues about what he like. Yeah. I mean, by now, too, Dr. Manhattan is kind of like, he's taken his little vacay on Mars. Dude, I fucking hate Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Well, I think, you're, I think you're kind of supposed to, right? Right. Because he's just like, he's just this big, naked, blue asshole who just like, has no feelings. And he, well, because he, according to him, like, we're all puppets. He can see the strings. Yeah. You know, like, the only difference is he can see the strings. And like, it, he does create some very interesting, like, thoughts about you know, free will, fate, all these things. Because throughout this thing, he is essentially exists in a, like, he likens time not as a linear progression. Yeah. More like a jewel that exists. And we as humans, we insist on viewing it one edge at a time instead of in its to- totality. So yeah. essentially time exists all at once, everything that is past, present, and future, it all exists at the same time. Whoa. And I had no idea that Dr. Manhattan and I shared our... Yeah. Well, we've got time circles. <laughs> Hannah, you know, a lot of people, they, they, they're all puppets. It's just that she can see the strings. It's true. Yeah. Um, no, she, I'm controlling the time circles. So Dr. Manhattan shows up and uh, he's sort of like, it's supposed to be like a deus ex machina. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, he's going to save the day and set everything right. Because he literally is God. And because you also see him, you also see him throughout this thing, reverse entropy. Like he like, you know, a glass shatters with liquid in it and he reforms it the glass and the liquid yeah curiously he never reforms like a human life like he'll yeah. see people murdered and he never brings them back but isn't that the whole thing where it's like i feel like he's called out on that multiple times where it's like you don't give a fuck about people right but you almost think that maybe he can save people he just hasn't yeah and maybe Lori has convinced him that humanity is worth fighting for and he's going to reverse all the damage that ozymandias has done and he fucking doesn't. That's a hard no. Yeah. He doesn't do it. Yeah, he's like, you know, 
I'm cool with all those people being dead. That's fine. He kind of like, he's like, well, logically it all makes sense. But that's the thing. It's like, I think he's there just to like have that stance because if you, yeah, it's like what you're weighing is sort of like the death of millions of people, but also like as a result, like the world does unite around this tragedy. Everybody, so the war that's been brewing during this whole comic where like the Soviets have invaded Afghanistan, like um, every country has like missiles pointed at each other. Like everyone calls it off. Like, to fight the alien squid that right. is supposedly the invading. The entire world becomes an alliance. And it's like, okay, what like what do we have? Like, which is... It, Grindelwald, man, the greater good. Which is like, I don't agree with this. <laughs> but it's also, it's an interesting... Which one do you pick? Um, well, I like that you get the... You sort of get a, a cheese spread or like a, a platter of yeah. different reactions. Because you've got Ozymandias who... Are he mm, he was the architect bread. of <laughs> of the whole thing, and so he's obviously like I pulled it off, I did it, I saved the world. Very he's very smug about it. Yeah. Then you've got Dan and Lori who are like, oh my god, like they are grappling with the enormity of it all. Right, the loss of human life. And then you've got someone who could potentially do something about it, but says like, well, this is logical, so I'm gonna let it happen. Mm-hmm. But also. Dr. Manhattan sort of does that thing where it's like, they spell it out for you. He he can't really do anything about it because he is bound by fate or like predetermined. Right. Um, because he mentions that before where it's like... This was always meant to happen. It was always going to happen. Yeah. And uh, you have Rorschach who can't live with what, right. what happened. And he asks uh, Dr. Manhattan to kill him too. He doesn't ask him. I mean, he does, but it's basically like... Rorschach essentially like leaves he kind of goes out into the snow and there's this sort of dramatic moment where like Dr. Manhattan follows him and he's like you know I can't let you go back like and he and then Rorschach sort of w- rips off his mask he's like fucking do it and so Dr. Manhattan just explodes vaporizes yeah. him um, and then Ozymandias I think he they have a moment with uh, with Ozymandias and Dr. Manhattan have a moment where he's like well will it work and Dr. Manhattan is like You'll see. Yeah. Cue HBO yeah. and some contracts. Like. Well, also, <laughs> you, there's it, they leave it up in the air, but Rorschach mailed out his journal. Right. To the New Frontiersman, the fucking right-wing KKK bullshit newspaper. Right. So, But it's kind of one of those things where it's like, will it get out or will it be tossed in the trash or mm-hmm. will it be, you know, like, if and it's it, even if it is read, will it be taken seriously? And in the journal, he kind of writes about his suspicions because this is after they find out that Adrian Vett or Ozymandias or whatever, that he has... um this is sort of his plan. So he spells out everything that's happened in this journal. And the last page of this fucking book is this like intern or like this like assistant. And the editor of this newsletter is like, yeah, you can put in whatever you want. Like he's like, I don't care. And you see the fucking journal and fade to black. That's the end. And what's crazy too is that, okay, throughout this whole comic, there's been this like happy face, like a yellow smiley face motif. Because the comedian, who's the first one who's, like, murdered, that was sort of his, like, symbol. Yeah. And at the end, the the intern is wearing a t-shirt that has, like, a yellow smiley face on it. And at the beginning, there's this, like, drop of blood on the comedian's smiley face. And the intern just has this, like, blob of ketchup. And it's just this whole kind of, like, 
fucking symbolism. Like, <laughs> I, man, I love the new frontiersmen. Like, it cracks me up so much because they do have such a hateful ideology. I was gonna say, I was like, where are you going with this? Why do you make editing this podcast so hard for me? Like, I, I think you can, be, especially because it's fiction, you can love something that's hateful. They're like, what, who do people like the most in wrestling? Heels. You love the bad guys because you know it's not real. And you can kind of like enjoy that there's somebody who revels in how evil they are. I just love like, not that I believe anything they're saying. Yeah. But that I love this ability to kind of poke it. Like there's a whole scene where they're formatting their newspaper. Yeah. They're kind of like, you know, they're they're pasting it. They're making a paste up of what they're going to print. Yeah. And this guy's like, ah, perfect. It's on there straight. And then that article is reprinted in the back of one of the issues and you get to read it. Mm-hmm. And it's crooked. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. it's it's slanted and it's like, and it's all... And it's just like some serious amateur hour bullshit. Yeah, yeah. it's clearly like, it's like pamphlets being printed out of somebody, some wacko's basement, essentially. Yeah. And so like, I love the new Frontiersman because he's like, you know, talking about like, oh, just pull something from the crank files and they pull out like an anti-Semitic rant that they're going to run with. Yeah. He's like, well, he's like, well, this one starts with... Dear United States, and then they're like, run it. And you're just like, dude, Ugh. these guys are awful. <laughs> like, Yeah, that was definitely just like, that's kind of what I was wondering too, where I was like, again, going back to just like, like sifting through just the fucking symbolism in this book, I was like, what is Alan Moore trying to say with this? Like, what is happening here? Like, where is he going with this? I don't think like... And I'm not expecting you to answer that. I'm just like... <laughs> I, have a, I have a real... Like, do you have any theories as to what he's... No, he's like a really, he's, he's a really interesting author to read because I'm, I feel like I'm constantly trying to figure out what it's like, what are you, what are you saying here? Like, what are you trying to say? I think what I like about him, I, I sometimes hate when people get caught up in like, what did the author mean? And, and what were they trying to say specifically when it's like, I think he's just giving us a broad look at the human condition. It's like, you've got... You've got, you know, you're sort of like your macho man's man. You've got your sort of like meek and mild, like schlubby guys. Then you've got your, you know, like you've got someone with a God complex. You've got someone with God powers. You've got racists. You've got uh, people who think they're more important than they are. You've got someone who's just burying his nose in fiction, reading comic books the whole time. It's just like, it's like if humanity is a slice of delicious cheesecake... You're, like, taking a slice out of it. And also if they're and, all men. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Lori and her mom are, like, the Sally two Jupiter. female characters in this book. And, and Lori spends a majority of this book fucking John and then fucking Dan. And also smoking what I think is a fucking crack pipe? No, that's a ball pipe. Um, I wouldn't have known either, but, like, I read the annotated Watchmen. And it's, yeah. like, it's sort of a fictional pipe. It's almost like, uh, according to the annotated <clears throat> thing... I feel like they might be wrong because I see a carton of cigarettes, mm-hmm. but all cigarettes in the Watchmen universe are hand rolled because pipes were the main method. Like this sort of like uh, ball pipe, which was a water filtered yeah. pipe. Like it's a fictional device that they use. But it like, looks like a straight up crack pipe. It looks like a crack pipe. <laughs> I definitely think that this is a very male centric book. Um, fair point. Alan Moore is a genius, but he does have his flaws. He's not perfect like like again it's a very male-centric book with not a lot of female perspective there's some but not a lot yeah and like the whole rape thing i think was very tastelessly done and very like and very kind of like 
unnecessary in a lot of ways. And it also just, like, I just, I I was looking for more. Because it's, like, the fact that she goes back and has a consensual relationship with her rapist is, like, you don't want to, like, talk about why the fuck someone would do this? Like, Yeah, I think, like... Uh, if I'm theorizing here, but I think that was done so that she could have a troubled relationship with her mom, yeah. which you could have done without all that. And then also it's like, why couldn't she be someone, why couldn't Lori be someone who is just dealing with either A, an absentee father, right. or B, like not knowing who your father, like, it, it's just like, it didn't have to be a rape thing. Yeah. And again, this is one of those things where it's like, this is a good book, well written, but people learn the wrong lessons from this. It's like, I do think that after this, comic books got unnecessarily dark, and there was a tendency to be very male-centric and less... And, like, women were kind of treated as disposable sex objects. Yeah, women in refrigerators. Yeah, and so, like, I don't think that's Alan Moore's fault, but I do think that, like, people could probably use a little bit more critical thinking, maybe. I. No, I see what you're saying. I don't know. What did you think? So, it sounds like, overall, like, you would probably give this book, like, an A. Yeah, I would give it an A. I, I've reread this book so many times, and every time I reread it, I find something new to enjoy yeah. in it. And, like... I mean, I think after talking about it, too, I might bump up my rating from a C plus to maybe, like, a B minus. I wasn't going to say anything, but I thought a C was really I low. know. I think I'm just, like... I think that... I When I give these ratings, I'm definitely rating them off of, like, emotional, like, what I... Did Excitement? I, or kind of, or like, did I enjoy this? You know, where it's like, I feel like, again, like we kind of talked about this in the beginning, where this is a book that I can recognize is good. I just am like not, I just, it's not for me. It's a dense book. Yeah. It's... Also, we procrastinated so hard on this. <laughs> yeah, but it, it also, like, this book is like, this book is like the literary, like, it's very dense and packed with fiber, you know? Right. Doesn't always taste good, but it, it's like good for you kind of like mm -hmm. I felt like I definitely stretched some reading muscles that I I didn't get that from other books like um like even Marvel's is a well-written yeah. book but it's a pretty simple book and I like I can give that book to a child of eight mm -hmm. and they'll enjoy it yeah I can't give this book to a child of eight even if I thought that they would even if I thought the subject matter was appropriate for them yeah it's way too dense and way I too I often uh, feel that most of my um Literary choices are also shared by eight-year-olds. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Babar, King yeah, of the Elephants, and exactly. Curious George, Narnia, hmm. Harry <sighs> Potter. <laughs> so you would bump your rating up. I would bump my rating up. I feel like it's you're right. It is unfair to give this book anything in the C's. I think it would probably be like a B. What do you think? Like, how do you think this? Do you, how do you think the series on HBO will compare? If you just had to, it's a blind guess, obviously. You I can't. think that you're right. I think it's not going to be as rich. I just don't think that it can be. I think that it's going to be a little bit shallow. I think that a lot of the character development is going to be, like, pretty obvious and kind of, like, not super layered. Um, I'm hoping that I'm proved wrong, but, I mean, I guess we'll kind of see. So, my real question is, like, how many Rorschachs do you think we're going to see on Halloween this year? Um, and fucking jokers god no i i don't actually know how many i don't know how big of a splash this show made um i don't know how many yeah. like, like the movie was huge and we definitely felt the ripples of that yeah i think if anything we're more likely to see jokers than rorschachs, rorschachs. 
especially if I'm if what I'm hearing online is correct that they've they've definitely strengthened that link between the KKK and Rorschachs. Yikes. I think a lot of people are not going to put on the Rorschach mask. Okay. One would um, hope. I, I what I'm hoping for is that a lot of people will strip off their clothing, paint themselves blue, and walk around with their dangly dudes hanging out. <laughs> That's I want to see Doc Manhattan's. Yeah, you guys just got a preview of Justin's Halloween costume, twenty nineteen. <laughs> <sighs> we did it, Hannah. <laughs> I feel like we left a lot of stuff out. Actually. We left a lot of stuff out. But whatever. Again, <laughs> pick this book up and read it. That's been our podcast. New episodes <laughs> drop every Wednesday. Don't forget to pick up your comics from your library or local comic shop. That's the end. Nothing ends, Justin. Nothing ever ends. Hannah, what do you mean by that? <laughs> Time circles! Time circles! <laughs>